0: Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. It's now time for our scripture reading. I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. I have shown you in every way by the laboring like this that you may support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. May the Lord bless the reading of his word.
1: Happy Sabbath, everybody, again. I am very glad to be here today. I'm always glad to be here today. Uh, but, let's see, I'm probably glad that I'm here today because that means that tomorrow I'll have to be working on a sermon. So, uh, thank you, Stacy, for reading the scripture today. And... Uh, Thank you. You guys, for the special music, that was awesome. It was a blessing to me. Um, Before we get started, if you don't mind, I'd like to start with another prayer. Heavenly Father, I just pray that um, you would be with me today, that this message um, have nothing to do with anything that um, I've put together, but hopefully that it's a message that's from you that will touch each and every one of us today. These things, I pray in your name, Amen. Um, As I was preparing for my sermon today, actually, I was thinking about it for about the last five months or so, because that's when uh, Tony asked me to uh, to speak. My initial intention was going to be like to have a cute little like nativity thing set up over here and have a bunch of kids like in a little, you know, reenactment and whatever. That way, I wouldn't have to, you know, preach very long, but um, as you can see, that didn't play out the way that I had planned it. Um, being a father of three young kids, uh, my intentions don't always come through. But uh, I'm here today, and uh, I still, you know, um, I do like a good Christmas sermon. So I decided to try to find something that was still sort of in that same um, uh, theme, I guess. It was probably the word I'm looking for. Um, so I think that, uh, between lots of prayer and, uh, you just kind of like reflect on the various aspects of the season. I believe that the Lord has, um, placed on my heart, um, a topic that is fitting for today. You see, because today is December tenth, uh, 2022. We're right in between two very important holidays. It has been 16 days since Thanksgiving, and it's only 15 more days until Christmas. So, Um, Let me be the first to wish you a Merry Thanksgiving. Now, this might sound a little odd to some of you, or it might leave some of you feeling confused, but I hope as we continue with the message today that it will become a little clearer. In the late 1800s, Richard Sears joined up with Alva Roebuck Roebuck, and Julius Rosenwald to send out general mail-order catalogs that were packed full of everything From clothing to toys to household appliances, early Sears catalogs billed themselves as the cheapest supply house on earth, or the book of bargains, and featured a mind-boggling array of products such as medical supplies, musical instruments, firearms, bicycles, sewing machines, baby buggies, and at one point even houses. In 1894, the catalog page count was 322 pages. Sears issued its first Christmas catalog in 1933, featuring such items as a Mickey Mouse watch, a Lionel electric train set, a Miss Pigtails doll, and live singing canaries. By 1968, the Christmas catalog was officially uh, renamed the Wish Book. Uh, The catalog boasted 225 pages of just toys. 380 pages of gifts and, should I say, and in addition to that, 380 pages of gifts for adults, for a grand total of 605 pages. Around the 1960s, though, serious competitors arrived, and by 1991, Sears lost its crown as the nation's top-selling retailer to Walmart. By 1993, Sears announced it was closing its catalog division, bringing an end to a storied era of mail-order, bargain-hunting, and wish fulfillment that had begun nearly a century earlier. Growing up in the 80s and 90s, I have many fond memories of pouring through Sears and JCPenney catalogs that would mysteriously arrive in our mailbox. My brother and I would take turns circling things we wanted for Christmas, never forgetting to dog-ear the pages uh, so those treasures could be easily found again. Now, even though we knew that we didn't have a chance to get everything everything that we wanted. It didn't stop us from wishing that we would. And as we flipped through the hundreds of pages in these catalogs, I'm sure it brought back brought back memories from my parents of when they were kids and did the very same thing. As well as many of you may be thinking similar thoughts right now. You see, Sears was the Amazon.com of its day. And now Amazon and other retailers are actually implementing their own versions of this ingenious marketing tool. Admittedly, my wife and I have passed along this tradition to our girls, and it's amazing how quickly Evelyn and Hazel have picked up on the concept of circling things that they want, which is about everything in the book. Last year, Hazel even circled some of the people in the catalog. I'm sure that she just thought that she'd like to be their friend or she liked a dress they were wearing. Yes, kids of all ages seem to be able to find things that they want. Whether you're a kid pouring through a catalog or an adult uh, doing some online shopping on your phone, we all have things that we want. Since the dawn of online shopping, retailers have tapped into this desire for more that we all have. They wouldn't be running successful businesses if they didn't consider every possible way to make a sale. That is why when you see something you like, you have the option to add it to your cart or add it to your wish list. The whole idea behind the wish list is pretty simple, and it harkens back to the days of kids laying on the floor with crayons in hand. Some retailers have even a function to share your wish list with others, as they realize that is another way to generate revenue and reduce the number of unwanted gifts that are returned for a refund. And just uh, just like when you were a kid, you may have things on your wish list that you know you can't afford, or that are completely unreasonable to expect someone else to buy for you. But it doesn't keep you from wanting it. So, where does this desire for more come from? Well, let's start by asking, how do you know that you want something? Well, if you already have something, are you going to want it? Even the kid in the Christmas song knows the answer to that one. The only reason why he wanted two front teeth for Christmas was because they were missing. I mean, missing. There is no want for something that you already have. So our desire for more is actually a natural response to our perception of lack. So how do we know that we lack something? Every day we are bombarded with advertisements through internet, radio, television, you name it. Whatever apps that are out there, they, they claim they're free, they're you know pushing advertisements at you to pay for uh, the app some way. So what do we do? We rush out and we buy the item that we've longed for and we do feel better for a while. Unfortunately, that feeling is temporary, and when it fades, we are back wanting more. For many, this becomes a lifelong pursuit of buying more and more, hoping to finally satisfy that desire in their life. So how can we go so quickly from a feeling of euphoria to feeling dissatisfied with what we have? Psychologist Robert Rowland Smith wrote about this feeling in the August 5, 5- two. 2010 issue of psychology's magazine he says the object of our desire is not the object but the relief that comes from having acquired it and thus no longer having to desire wanting in other words wants not to want not wanting feels a whole lot better than wanting the calmness that comes from having bought something can be bought at a much cheaper price which is not allowing yourself to desire it in the first place Yes, it is true. Every man is rich until he sees something he wants that he doesn't have. Many will go to great lengths to remove this feeling of want from their lives. Do you remember the good old days of Black Friday? Before this, uh, they started bringing these sales online, people would go, uh, they would be up in the wee hours of the morning, waiting in line in the freezing cold, just to ensure that they would be able to snag a big screen TV or other coveted item at bargain basement prices. Stores had to hire extra security and staff for that day as it was commonplace for fights, uh, shoving matches, or other craziness to occur. Yes, for many, this day signaled the beginning of the most wonderful time of the year. So they wanted to get good deals and, uh, on those things that they wanted their kids, or the, they wanted to get their kids for their wish lists. Um, there was only one time that I participated in a Black Friday scramble. And it was when stores started opening deals on Thursday night of Thanksgiving. At the time, I wasn't interested in any big-ticket items. All I wanted was a couple of DVDs. So I convinced Hillary and my brother uh, to come with me to Walmart on Thanksgiving night to try to get them. By the time we got there, the Walmart parking lot was already full. We found shrink-wrapped displays of DVDs and stood around for several minutes, waiting until finally a Walmart employee made the announcement over the intercom that we... Uh, They were going to count down from 10, and then when we got to zero, we could start shopping. Uh, As if what was about to happen was going to resemble a normal experience at the store. I remember as soon as uh, we got down to zero, the people standing around me tore into the shrink wrap like they had claws in their fingertips. I reluctantly joined in the madness, but uh, since I was a Black Friday newbie, I didn't get in there quite quick enough and uh, was unable to snag even one copy of the DVD I was looking for. As I was walking out I remember seeing someone with their cart literally full of DVDs. I later uh, figured out that what they were probably planning to do was to sort through them and put back what they didn't actually want to buy. uh, As I ended up getting the same DVD at Walmart the next day for the same price. With more and more people shopping online, retailers have made these same sales available to online shoppers, which has helped to remove some of this madness. However, it hasn't changed the fact that people will go to great lengths to acquire something they desire. Now it manifests, or should I say, now it manifests itself in the form of hours and hours of searching different websites to find the best deal or promo code. The details have changed, but the heart of it is the same. So, what am I getting at here? Is there anything wrong with buying things you want for yourself? No. What about buying things off a wish list for your family and friends? No. The answer lies in looking at the heart of the gifting process. First off, the concept of wish lists is, uh, promotes selfishness. And when we are focused on self, there will be a void in our lives that cannot be filled by buying more stuff. We could buy everything on our wish list and we will never fill that hole in our lives It can only be filled by having a passionate love for God and our fellow men. It reminds me of the text in Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Going along with that same text in First John 3 verse 17 says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So while I may be saving my pennies to buy something ridiculous like a Red Ryder BB gun, there is actual suffering all around me. Now, anyone can look around at the needs in their community or around the world and say to themselves, Oh, that's too bad. But if they're not moved to do something to change the situation, what they really mean is, I'm glad that's not me. You see, it takes the love of God filling someone's life to change the focus from themselves to a focus on the needs of others. Secondly, and this point is mostly to do with um, Christmas, is that we should not make gift-giving be the main point of Christmas. I mean, have you ever thought that Christmas was over as soon as You were done opening presents? Think about your Christmas traditions and ask yourself if that moment is the climax of your Christmas experience. If this describes you, I want to challenge you to incorporate some new traditions this year. The types of activities I'm thinking of focus on experiences with God and with others. How about finding a live nativity to go to? You could also go Christmas caroling in your neighborhood and bring a smile to someone's face. Then as you fellowship with your family and friends, tell and retell the stories not only of Christ's birth, but also the continuing story of his perfect life and his sacrifice on our behalf. If Christmas is about Jesus, then let's live how Jesus lived by showing love and compassion for those who are suffering. Let's silence the critics of Christianity by showing them what Christ-like love looks like. Christmas is an especially hard time to be alone. So let's comfort those who will be alone by inviting them to join in our family dinners. Other things we can do this time of year include showing selflessness by letting someone else have the best parking lot spot, parking spot at the mall, or showing your willingness to serve by helping a neighbor shovel or snow blow their driveway. There are many ways that we can show our care for others during this time of year. Another idea would be to prepare packages of food and small meaningful gifts to others that are less fortunate than we are. Then we can leave the packages at their door and sneak away without knocking so they don't know if uh, it was you that left it for them. Although the sneaking away part is getting harder to pull off these days when the increasing use of doorbell cameras. If you're afraid of being caught in the act, then maybe you can just mail the package to them anonymously. The great part of all of this is that you don't actually have to break the bank to show how much you care for someone. In these types of situations, it truly is the thought that counts. Because when you let others know that they are cared for, they receive strength and encouragement to face their trials. In addition to spreading Christmas in addition to spreading Christmas cheer to those around us, let's add in a healthy dose of thanksgiving by passing along the tradition of contentment with the things that God has already blessed us with. I have attempted to illustrate this point through the sermon title I chose today. Though there were several other great contenders, such as it's beginning to look a lot like Thanksgiving, a Holly Jolly Thanksgiving, and God rest you Mary Pilgrims, I let uh Evelyn choose the title and she chose "Rocking Around the Thanksgiving Tree. So hopefully it makes a little bit more sense today. Uh if we were if we were able to add in this spirit of Thanksgiving into our Christmas celebrations. It will be easier to focus less on what we want and more on how we can help others. Otherwise, I think it's pretty easy to move past our attitudes of thankfulness into a season of selfishness. So, as you prepare for your family gatherings, I hope you will take the time to reflect on how, God, how good that God has been to you this year. That's one of the best ways to stop the madness of keeping up with the Joneses. And if you've recognized that you have too much stuff in your house already— then it's time to declutter and downsize your possessions by donating gently used items such as a warm coat to our local Adventist Community Services Center. Many of you already volunteer time to keep this ministry running smoothly, and you're well aware of the benefit that it provides to those who are struggling to make ends meet. In addition to the satisfaction that comes from knowing you're helping someone out, there are other benefits that come from cutting the excess out of your life. One of those that Hillary and I have discovered is that having too much stuff in your life can be stressful. One way to tell if you have too much is when you're constantly trying to figure out how to keep things organized and where to store it all. That is why storage units are so popular. It's because we as a nation are so blessed that we cannot even fit all of our stuff in our houses. The problem is magnified even more when you have three little ones who are constantly growing out of clothes and receiving birthday and Christmas presents every year. It just seems like a constant battle sometimes, and we are always setting something aside to either donate or sell on Marketplace. And even if you're able to sell something on Marketplace, you're only going to get about a quarter of what you paid for it. And it just seems like such a waste of money and time to get stuck in this cycle of acquiring and downsizing. That is why it is so important for us to learn to be content with the things that we have, and learn to focus on experiences rather than stuff. So take this opportunity to cut down on your monthly storage bill and help someone who needs what you're not using. And if you still have the desire to go shopping, there are plenty of worthwhile wish lists out there. And I'm going to have some help from our AV guys in the back. I'm going to pull up for you guys a couple of websites that um, just give you some examples of some... uh, Great wish lists that are out there if you want to do some shopping. Uh, the first one is on the Adra website. It's called Adra Gift Catalog. Some of you may already be aware of this website, but if you're not, it's a pretty cool site, and it has some unique uh, ideas for gifts. One of them is you can buy goats, you can buy chickens, you can buy um, you can help build wells, and uh, let's see what else. I wrote down here. You can help somebody start a, a business uh, with bees. You know, those are all like really awesome ways that you can actually donate to buy something for a family to actually help to further them, whether it be through giving them food to eat or actually helping them to be able to sell something at a market um, so that they can provide for their family. Um, the next one you guys can go to is Eyes for India. Now, um, if you've watched it Is Written at all, You've probably heard um, John Bradshaw promote this one a lot, and is a pretty cool one uh, because there are, it says on the website that um, there are, let's see right here, 15 million blind people living in India, and it says probably the majority of those people could regain their sight through a simple cataract surgery. And so um, what this does, it costs $75 to help somebody regain their sight. Can you think about that? $75. And it, you know you can multiply that out by how many people you want to help out. But um, to think that you help somebody regain their site for $75 is a pretty amazing um, way to use your funds. Um, you can go to the next one, you guys. Uh, the next one is Maranatha Volunteers International. Now, many of you may be familiar with this organization and more for like the mission trip aspect of it. Um, but one thing that they've started doing uh, several years ago was helping uh, build what's called the One Day Church. And uh, they're pretty expensive. I mean, they start around $7,500 to fund a whole church. Um, But what this does, it provides uh, like a steel roof and like the metal frame. And uh, then like the people, the local people finish the walls and the floor um, with, you know, the materials that are locally available. But um, if you don't have $7,500, there's still a way you can be involved I'm sounding like a sales pitch here, but for $10 a month, you can join what's called the $10 church program. And so what they're doing is they're pooling pooling funds from everybody who doesn't have enough money to build a church to come together and build at least one church a month. And so um, it's a pretty cool program to be involved in. Um, One I actually just found, I already knew about the One Day Church program, but I just found out about this $10 a month program. So, um... Those are a few uh, ways that you can help fulfill that desire to buy things. Um, there are other like organizations that are not... These are all organizations related to the Adventist Church. There are obviously probably hundreds of other organizations, whether it be um, uh, World Vision or Samaritan's Purse. Samaritan's Purse is a pretty cool one that's um, started by Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son. Um, that's one that we've done with our girls a couple of times because... You can take the shoebox and fill it up with like gifts and personal hygiene items and things like that. And they get sent off to kids overseas that don't have those um, things readily available. It's pretty cool because, you know, the kids, your kids get to be involved in helping to go to the store and shop for somebody else. So um, anyway, so that's the end of the websites, guys. Um, But uh, yeah, just wanted to highlight those things because... These things aren't hard to find, and you, know, you may already be aware of these things, but I just you know, wanted to kind of do the message today, highlight some of them and remind um, us of them because I think that as busy as our lives get, it's easy to get distracted and forget about some of these um, options that are out there. So um, get back to my, the sermon. Okay, so anyway, um, so as we could go on and on with the opportunities we have to donate our time and money to help others. The important thing is how we respond to God's call in our hearts to ease the suffering and help those who we can. We are living in financially distressing times, but no matter how much or how little money you have, you can do something for those around you. Spend time writing down things you can do with the resources that you do have. Those resources may come in the form of the time you have or the talents that God has given you to help others. You may be able to change the oil in a car or bake bread for someone. Or your talents may manifest themselves in hundreds of other ways. Ask God how he can use you and see what ideas he brings to your mind. Many of you have already discovered the beauty of these truths for yourselves, though. And I don't want to act like that you're unaware of these things. Because the possessions that uh, you're figuring out and you've already figured out, that the possessions that you have, they really don't bring much happiness. Though the concepts can be appreciated by all ages, I believe that you really start to um, become aware of these things in your life as you get older. I mean, have you ever asked your parents for their wish list? I know growing up, my parents would sometimes mention how difficult it was to pick out Christmas gifts for their parents, um, which are my grandparents, since they didn't ever want much or ask for much. We were always having to rely on guessing what they needed or just noticing something that they were needing as I've grown and I have my own kids, I realize that my parents are pretty much the same way now. If you ask for their for ideas for their birthday or for Christmas, you get a very short list of either clothes or books. My dad always includes in his uh list something similar to what he sent this year, which his list this year um verbatim was. Number one, happiness and good health for all my family. Number two, that we all get to be in heaven together. Number three, dress shirts. Number four, leather belt. Number five, ties. So um, that's just an example. I'm sure you guys have uh, encountered this sort of uh, wish list before. Um, So uh, maybe uh, that's why they call that song, The Grown-Up Wishlist, because it takes living through the selfishness of youth to make you realize what is really important in life. The song, uh, the, song the Grown-Up Wishlist, was made popular by Amy Grant, but has since been re-recorded by dozens, if not hundreds, of musical artists. So I was going to read for you, um, you're familiar with the song, but just because it goes along with what I'm talking about today, I'm going to read for you um, the lyrics to this song. It says, Do you remember me? I sat upon your knee, I wrote to you with childhood fantasies. While I'm all grown up now and still need help somehow, I'm not a child, but my heart still can dream. So here is my lifelong wish, my grown up Christmas list, not for myself, but for a world in need. No more lives torn apart that wars would never start, and time would heal all hearts, and everyone would have a friend, and right would always win, and love would never end, so this is my grown up Christmas list. And the second verse says, As children, we believe the uh, grandest sight to see was something lovely wrapped beneath the tree. But heaven only knows that packages and bows can never heal a hurting human soul. And then it keeps going on with the chorus after that. So, yes, packages and bows can never really heal a hurting soul. When I was a kid, I used to dream of being rich someday. I used to spend hours pouring through magazines that glorified lifestyles of the super-rich. Whether it be wanting garages full of Lamborghinis, Ferraris, and Porsches, I was going, whatever it was, I was going to own it. I, was, I wanted a gigantic house. I used to sit around and draw floor, pan, floor plans that included secret rooms and passageways. I was sure that someday I would be able to afford all of these things. My reality as a kid, however, was quite different. Being that my parents both worked for the church, there were many years where we didn't have much in the way of worldly possessions. And I wish I could say that it never bothered me that we didn't have much money. But it would be dishonest to claim that. You see, as kids, you don't have the perspective your parents have. Perspective that is shaped by years of working hard and struggling to provide. Kids many times grow up thinking, I'm going to be more successful than my parents were. So they fail to appreciate everything they had as a kid. Now that I am a parent, I can only imagine how much my parents had to sacrifice to provide the things that my brother and I did have. You see, now that I am in their shoes, my wish list has begun to change to more of a grown-up Christmas list. Although it would be nice to have a little more money, I try to always remind myself that I am blessed and I should appreciate the life that God has given me. I have realized the truth that there is no amount of money that can replace good health and good relationships. For me, this means that the most important things in my life are my relationship with my God and spending time with my wife and daughters. As we raise our daughters, Hillary and I desire to pass along a tradition of contentment. Instead of focusing on the things that they receive, we want them to see the beauty of having Christ in their life. We hope for them that they would fall in love with Jesus and choose to follow him all their lives. One of my favorite children's books that we have in our collection is a book about three mice. And the message is, and the story really goes along well with our message today. And I've got, um, the AV guys are going to actually going to play the story. I was going to read it, but I wanted you guys to see the pictures in the book because it kind of helps to illustrate the story. It's a short little, like four minute story, um, But uh, you can. The, my girls can probably tell you that I read this story to them often. And when I read it to them, I always hope that they will begin to learn that true happiness is not tied to how much money we have. Um, so anyway, with that being said, all right, it looks like it's up. And you guys can go ahead and play. And when it's done, we will wrap up here shortly.
0: This is Gray Mouse in his sweet little home. He is happy and safe here and never alone. It has just enough room for each mouse to have fun and plenty of windows that let in the sun. There's a garden outside with a shady oak tree. I'm lucky, says Mouse. This home's perfect for me. But one day, out walking, Mouse sparks a large door. It belongs to a house that is hard to ignore. There's oodles of space and a balcony, too. The owner, a white mouse, looks out at the view, Good morning, calls Gray Mouse. I live down the way in a sweet little home that seemed fine till today, but your home's much bigger. I wish mine was grand. You must be the happiest mouse in the land. The mouse on the balcony heaves a big sigh. I was happy once, then a house caught my eye. From my favorite chair, I gaze up at its tower, and now I'm more jealous with each passing hour. It's simply amazing, like nothing I've seen. "'Please show me,' says Grey Mouse. "'It sounds like a dream.'" So they scamper along, never pausing to look at the glittering fishes that leap in the brook. And they don't see the dance two bright butterflies share or hear the soft bird song, or sniff the sweet air. There's a mountain to climb, but the mice don't give in. The house at the top makes their furry heads spin. It's a house like no other. This home has it all. A garden with fountains, a banqueting hall, a dome and a spire, both designed to impress. The brown mouse who greets them has jewels on her dress. Welcome, she cries, won't you please step inside? There's lots to explore here, and I'll be your guide. She serves them fine pastries on plates made of gold, then leads them through hallways, past treasures untold. The game room, the parlor, my room for guitars, and this is the dome where I gaze at the stars. "'Oh, my!' sighed the other two mice in dismay, "'the last of their happiness drifting away. "'We once were contented, but now we feel poor. "'The happiest mouse is the mouse who has more.' "'The brown mouse says nothing but points to a stand "'where a telescope rests, looking over the land. "'And there, through its lens, is a sweet little home. "'It doesn't have fountains, a spire, or a dome. "'It doesn't have treasures. There isn't the space.' but each little mouse has a smile on its face. It's lonely up here, says the wealthy brown mouse, but it brightens my day just to look at that house. What a treasure it is. Oh, the joy that it gives. For that is a house where true happiness lives. That's my home, cries gray mouse. Well, who would have guessed that a mouse in a mansion could think that I'm blessed? Whatever your home, It is happy, indeed, if you love what you have, and you have what you need. How true, cheers the white mouse, his eyes shining bright. I don't need a high tower. My home is just right.
1: So as I'm drawing a sermon to a close, I just want to make sure that no one misunderstands the point of the message today. Do I expect you to stop buying gifts for your family and friends? No, I don't. Do I think it's wrong to want nice things for yourself? No. I don't. We all have lists of things we want, even if they only exist in our heads. Each of us will continue to be inundated with advertisements and commercials offering us the next big thing, and each of us gets to choose how we respond to those enticements. I stand before you today not as someone who has it all figured out, but as someone who has been convicted by the Lord of the truths that He's laid on my heart. Ultimately, I hope that the Lord has spoken to you today and that you recognize the need, as I have, to fight against the urge to serve self versus uh, versus serving others. Through giving thanks to God for His blessings and by giving to others, we will demonstrate to those around us what Christmas is supposed to be about.
0: You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.